So the reading today, as you can see, is from Hebrews chapter 11, and it's verses 1 and 2, and then verse 8 to 19. And it's on pages uh, 1,209 in the Church Bibles. Faith in action. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear the ch children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has a pre prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful new day and thank you for the freedom we enjoy to worship you and to listen to your word. Please meet us this morning and speak to us of your love. Amen. I wonder if you like being you. Do you like being you? I hope you do. But if for a day you could be someone else, like, I don't know, Tim Peake, imagine what he sees the world as today. If you could be somebody else, who would it be? Anybody in history, just tell your neighbour, who do you think, who would you like to, whose, whose eyes would you like to look through for a day? Have a think. Any ideas? Somebody want to shout out? 
Mrs. Trump. Interesting. Anybody else? No? You're all just really happy being you? That's amazing. Awesome. What a gift. But today, we're going to begin a sermon series for the, for the morning services in which we look to experience the living God through the lens of several other biblical characters, just as Tim Peake gets up and looks at the world and sees it slightly differently to you do this morning. We're going to begin our series by looking um, um, through the eyes of Abraham, an Old Testament character, and we're going to ask ourselves, how did he encounter God? Because you learn something, don't you? If you look at the world through somebody else's eyes, if you look at your relationship with God through somebody else's eyes, we're hoping to learn something more about God and something more about what uh, walking with him might look like. Abraham, of course, was not a Jew when God spoke to him. He came from a pagan background in the land of Ur. So he didn't have a great church-going pedigree at all, or he didn't even start out with any preconceived ideas of what a relationship with Yahweh, um, the God of Israel, was going to look like. Throughout his long and exciting journey with God, he met God as he found him. He discovered him by walking alongside him, and he responded to him. He was perhaps untainted, unconfused by other people's ideas of how to talk to God, what a relationship with God ought to look like. He just got on with it because he didn't know any better, I suppose. He heard God speak and he listened. God said, go, and Abraham went. It wasn't complicated. Without any clear idea of where he was going, God stirred Abraham up to leave Ur with his family and make his home in a foreign land. That could be your story today. It could be that before entering St. Swithin's, you had no association with church or the Christian religion, and you're here to discover God. I hope it encourages you that Abraham one of the founding fathers of our faith, was in exactly the same position right at the beginning. He displayed simple, honest obedience, and God was delighted with him for it. It must have taken quite some courage to break away from his previous habits and way of life and to follow after this God who spoke to him. But his trust was rewarded in ways that he could not even have dreamt of right at the beginning. God spoke to him and he said, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. If you're here looking for God this morning, my prayer for you is that you will find him and that you'll have the courage to follow him to pastures new. Our Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and it's really just a potted version of Abraham's life. 
For a bit more detail about this exciting story, you have to turn right back to the very beginning of the Bible, to the book of Genesis. And there in chapter 12, we discover something else rather interesting. When Abraham set out on this adventure with God, he was not a young man. We read earlier in Hebrews that he was so old, he was as good as dead. That makes me laugh, it's so rude, because in fact he was only 75. <laughs> but it does tell us something else about God. And that is, he clearly doesn't judge your worth based on the same standards of our youth-obsessed youth world. Abraham had already lived a long and fruitful life when God spoke to him and invited him to step out on a new chapter, a new adventure. Now, I suppose he wasn't as energetic as he was in, in his 30s, but that didn't deter God. It's very common for older people to feel perhaps less valuable than they did when they were young and full of energy. But God clearly thinks otherwise. He could have invited Abraham to begin their adventure together when he was 20 or 30, but he chose to wait. In his later years, God breathed new life into Abraham's relationship with him, and he directed his journey in new directions that he hadn't been expecting. Abraham honored the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. He's a God that communicates with his people, and he has a plan for them, even in their later years. When God spoke, he told Abraham not to be afraid. I've got this, he said. But Abraham was boldly honest with God. That's as may be, he might have said, but my heart is breaking because I have no children. He shared with God what really mattered to him. And God responded with a promise, a promise of descendants so numerous you can't count them. I wonder if you've ever been deep into the countryside and looked up at the sky. Light pollution in our cities rather spoils the effect of stars. But I'm told that if you, say, go out into the desert, as I know some of you have done, the stars at night are breathtaking to see. God did fulfill his promise to Abraham in giving him descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the beach. But Abraham had to wait many, many years. It might be that you have been waiting for God's answer to your prayers for some time, and that is hard. No one belittles that. The story of Abraham's walk with God reminds us that God is trustworthy and he does answer our prayers. But his timescale is not always the same as ours. The faith of Abraham is held up to us as an example of how to live. He treasured God's promises to him and lived in faith and trust as he sought to honor God in his everyday life. 
He made choices based on what he believed God had promised him while he was waiting. He was able to wait patiently because he'd grown to know the one in whom he was trusting. He longed for a better country, a heavenly one where God's promises were fulfilled. Longing is an interesting word, don't you think? It's not just a mild fancy or a passing interest such as you might have for a new dress or a piece of cake. It's a deep, heartfelt yearning for something. Possibly you even feel physical pain. So great is your desire to live in the world where God's promises have come to fruition. I wonder, do you long to see heaven on earth? Does it pain you to see the sin and sadness in people's lives as they wander far from God in our city? In our week of prayer, we're inviting people to pray for the city, for the parish, and to ask God to bless its people. Not because we want anything from them, not even because we'd like to see them in church of course we would but that's not why we're praying God's blessing but because God longs to bless them and to be in relationship with them and to show his love to them as we go about this parish we can ask his blessing on the homes and the businesses we pass on the people we see we can bring salt and light to our community by praying faithfully for God's kingdom to come here in Bath, in Walcott, or wherever you live. We don't even need to leave home to do it. We can pray his blessing on people if we're not free or able to leave home ourselves. And it pleases God to answer those prayers. As our hearts long for God's kingdom to come here on earth, so he delights to respond by giving blessing greater than anything we could have imagined. I am sure that Abraham would have been happy with one son. He really would. He probably didn't even dare to ask for only one. But God blessed him as a reward for his faithfulness with more descendants than he could count. I wonder what we're asking God for. Do we really long to see his kingdom come here in Walcott? I wonder what that would look like. As we draw to an end of this potted version of Abraham's history with God, verse 17 refers to a very challenging episode in his life when, when God tested Abraham. God asked him to hand over the one son that he had. Abraham's confidence in God was so great. His faith was so unshakable that he was able to give over to God the one thing that mattered to him most, his son Isaac. What our personal treasures are and where we keep them safe has been very much in the news this week, hasn't it? As politicians explain their personal finances to the public. 
but it caused me to wonder what my personal treasures are. Are there things in your life that you've put for safekeeping somewhere out of God's reach? I wonder if you could hand over to God that which is most precious to you. I grew up in a Scottish family which just loved poems and songs and stories. There's always a poem for every occasion, if you think hard enough, according to my mum. And um, my favourite one, which I still, I still remember now, was one by a chap called W.D. Cocker, and it was called Wee Bobby's Breeks. Breeks is a Scottish word for trousers. It's all about the treasures that a mother finds in the pockets of her tiny son's trousers as she tidies up at night. She's darning the holes and stuff. I think if you've got children, you've probably been there. Um, but you can imagine the kind of things that she pulls out of the washing, you know, bits of string, sticks, marbles, bit of a snack that he'd tucked in there for later. Because the point of the poem is that what's precious to one little chap is not even valuable to an adult. We all have things that we cling to and that are precious to us. The challenge of Abraham's relationship with God is that he trusts God so much that he's willing to hand over to him even the thing he loves the most. For each of us, that will look different, of course. For those of us with children, it is a huge challenge to hand them over to God and to trust that he will look after them. I think I'm right in saying it doesn't matter how big they get. It doesn't seem to get any easier. If you don't have children, you may well have other things that are precious to you and that you're not sure you can trust God with. What about your home, your career, your car, your marriage, your education, your family plans? All of these things matter to us. Now, it's not for us to judge other people with the things that they hold dear. But the story of Abraham does ask us to question not only the things we cherish, but how much we would trust God with them. The extent to which we can let God look after our most precious treasured possessions says a lot about what we think about God, I think. The life of Abraham is recorded in detail in Genesis chapters 12 to 25. It's a really good read. It's a story of adventure and excitement with many unexpected twists and turns as one man and his family get to know God and let him in on their life as they journey together into unexpected places. Abraham was willing to take a risk on God. He lived in temporary accommodation, traveled about in tents while he searched for the city that God had told him of. He was willing to live as a stranger because he didn't want to settle for less than God's best plan for his life as he looked for God's country for him and the fulfillment of the promises that he'd given. Someone who can live like that, I think, must have confidence in the God he's following. He found him to be trustworthy 
in times of uncertainty and disappointment and waiting. Because of his track record, he was willing to have faith in God's character and purposes for him. And I think that offers encouragement and challenge to us as individuals and as a church family. In Abraham, we see someone without a church background, sought out, welcomed in, and loved by God. We see a man in the later years of life willing to entertain the idea that God would reimagine his future for him. We see a man willing to act in obedience to God's word and trust in his promises, even though he had to take risks to do it. We see this man trust all that was most precious to him into God's hands because he was convinced that those hands had only his best interests at heart. This week, therefore, we have the opportunity to consider who is God to Abraham. But also, we can, if we dare, ask who is God to me. As a church, we pray for our parish and for the filling of our vacancy for the post of rector. Do we really long to see God's kingdom come? in Walcott. I warmly invite you this week to pray for the woman or man of God that God is calling to lead this ministry. To pray for the streets around where you live that we might truly see evidence of God's kingdom advancing. And I invite you to join us here as we gather on Tuesday night to begin our week of prayer for the ministry and mission of this church and the person that God is calling to lead us. May we, like Abraham, have courage and faith in the God who calls us into a future which is richer than anything we can even imagine as we put our trust in him. Amen.